Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. So happy spooky season. We're now mid-October and we were thinking, what should we bring to you during spooky season? And we can't think of anything better than ghosts. So we're going to talk about some fun haunted places today. More ghosts. Yeah, more ghosts. We got more ghosts for you. You want more ghosts. Also, don't mind my voice. There's something going on with it. I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Maybe it's haunted. Maybe there's ghosts in it. Maybe there's ghosts in me. spooky spooky (laughs) so we say it a lot but ghosts is my all-time favorite topic to talk about yeah and the reason is a lot of these hauntings that we will tell you about i've gone there that's like my family vacation is going to a haunted place and exploring so i'll have some personal details on some of these yeah i love a ghost tour when in doubt for like what to do, let's find a ghost story. And like, I feel like most places have them, so you can go on them. Whenever I'm in like a new city, I definitely always like it. ghost tour, ghost tour, ghost tour, ghost tour. Yeah, haunted tour. Also, something I discovered last weekend because I went on a little vacation and while looking for creepy things to do, I didn't realize a lot of places that have a lot of bats have bat bridges. That's a thing. Yeah. I didn't even realize we have one here in Phoenix. Yeah, look for a bat bridge in your area because it's a really neat thing to do. Uh, I was in Austin and you can essentially either go on top of the bridge or under the bridge. And at dusk, when the sun's setting, the bats come out to eat all of the bugs. So in Austin, it's the Congress Avenue Bridge. And literally at dusk, I think they said between like March and November, you can just chill and watch all the bats come out. I love this. So if you're looking for a spooky Halloween thing to do in your area, check it out and see if you have your very own bat bridge. If you're in Maryland and there's a bat bridge, can you just go ahead and let us know? Because I want to go to there. Yeah, it might be at different times of the year, obviously, for whatever place you're in, if it's too cold or... Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever the bugs they eat aren't there. But yeah, check it out because I didn't realize it was like a popular thing amongst different states. Yeah, that's a new like thing to add to like your spooky checklist when you're going to a new place. Yeah. What, What funky stores do they have? Do they have a bat bridge? Now, I know that Baltimore almost certainly has a rat bridge. <laughs> we call them city kitties in the city because they're very large. Actually, you can buy like a lot of merch that says like, I, instead of a heart, it's a rat. <laughs> Baltimore. Oh, I like rats though. Rats are cute. We lean in. Yeah, they're cute. They're cute, but prevalent and large. <laughs> Anywho, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about more ghosts today. Yeah. Yeah. So the first place I want to tell you about is actually my all time favorite spooky place I've ever been. And that's saying something. I've been to a lot of spooky places. But the Whaley House, located in San Diego, was at one point rated number one most haunted house in the United States on Travel Channel's America's Most Haunted show. So just to show you where it ranks. Very, very spooky. Yeah. So I've been there twice, and each time I've had something weird happen. But to give you a little bit of background on this place first, before the Whaley's built their home, it was the site of one of the area's most famous executions in 1852. And Yankee Jim Robinson was executed. 
He was hanged on the property for stealing a boat. And he was a very tall guy. So it didn't go quite as planned. And his neck did not break. So we had a very slow, awful, awful death. Those are the most unsettling hanging stories to me. I also find the idea of like public hangings generally just very bizarre that like townsfolk would gather around to watch a government sanctioned murder. Very weird, right? It's very weird. Like I know that there's a viewing room. I say I know from movies and media. I knew that there was like a viewing room for like lethal injection. The idea that like we're just out in the open air. No one's censoring anything. Kids are walking around. People are holding their babies. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just the idea that we have so much censorship now, but back in the day they were like, violence. We all know her. Yeah. There's an area in Arizona that used to have like a gallows and we didn't realize that was what was there. And at one point we went at night to explore a little town and I was like, this place is just weird and it feels really silent and heavy. And there's a wall by us. So we were like, we don't know what's on the other side of this wall. Yeah. The next morning I find out, oh, that's the museum. Oh, that's where the gallows were. Don't like that. Mm -mm. Very weird. But anyway, so Whaley House, that's what happened on the property before Thomas Whaley purchased the land. So he did so in 1855. He was a businessman from New York and he had made his way to California during the gold rush. So on May 6th of 1856, he began building his new home. At one point, he said, my new house, when completed, will be the handsomest, most comfortable and convenient place in town or within 150 miles of here. So he had some big plans for this place. Pretty and cozy. Yeah. (laughs) I love handsomest. I want the handsomest house. Yeah. He was the first brick building in San Diego, and it was a Greek revival architecture, and it was designed by Thomas Whaley. The bricks came from his own brickyard that was also in town. The house cost more than $10,000 when completed. So think about that in the 1800s. That's a lot of money. And it was furnished with mahogany and rosewood furniture. So very pricey, nice things. On August 22nd of 1857, Thomas, his wife, whose name was Anna, and their three kids moved into the new home. Shortly after moving in, they opened a general store within the home. On January 29th, 1858, their son, Thomas Jr., died of scarlet fever, and he was only 18 months old when he died inside the home. Oh, no. So not long after Thomas's death, there was a fire in the home, and it destroyed their general store. After the fire, Thomas Whaley decided, I'm going to move my family to San Francisco. So they all get up, they go, they move to San Francisco. Years later, during the summer of 1868, Thomas Whaley returned due to business, but have also seen due to an earthquake. So there's a couple different variations of the story as to why he came back. But he ended up fixing up the house so the family could move home. On December 12th of 1868, the family does return. And when they moved back, the family included not only Thomas and Anna, but now they had five children. In 1869, the home was visited for many reasons because it became a few different things. It was the headquarters of the city's courthouse. It was the first theater troupe in San Diego. And then their general store also reopened. So it was kind of like the busy part of town. Everyone would go for one reason or another. Okay. However, in 1870, some of the merchants began to move to what they called Newtown. Thomas, though, and his family decided, okay, no, we're going to stay in our home. In 1871, Thomas went away on business. And during his trip, 
a group of armed men held Anna at gunpoint as they seized the courthouse records. There's this big disagreement, and I've been trying to find more information on it, like what actually caused this. But the disagreement was between the Newtowners and basically where, where they lived because they wanted records stored in the Newtown rather than where they were currently. Very bizarre. Yeah, I was like, why would you steal court records? And then I was like, and that makes it even stranger that they're having like an administrative storage battle that turned violent. Yeah, I think they just like they wanted the new town to be what the Whaley House was, where it had everything. It was the new you know, place for merchants. It was the new place for everything. But they went crazy and held her at gunpoint. So several years after this, on January 5th, 1882, two of the Whaley daughters got married inside the home. And this is kind of where I think some more of the darkness really started. I mean, I shouldn't even say where it started because of, you know, the hangings on the property, but for the family, at least. Anna Amelia, which was the eldest daughter, married her first cousin, John T. Whaley, and Violet Whaley married George T. Baralacci. While on their honeymoon, though, Violet woke up to discover that her husband was gone. He was actually a con artist, and he had married her for her money. When she returned to town without her husband, she arrived without a chaperone, and the society kind of shunned her for it. Oh my god. What a shitty society. Right? Yeah. So she was heartbroken. She was embarrassed. Just all of the feelings. About a year later, they were finally officially divorced. So it took a long time. Well, I mean, it was the 1800s, right? Like, that's like, that's a no. Yeah. And I mean, he disappeared. So I assume that it was kind of hard to do it when you can't find the person. Well, also like the idea of even doing it. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of records on it, only that it took a while. So Violet was very depressed. She lived in shame. She felt betrayed. And on August 18th of 1885, she shot herself in the chest with one of Thomas's guns. When it happened, she was behind the house. There's like this little outhouse shed area behind the house. And like I said, I've been there before and I have talked to some of the historians there. And from what I remember, I believe the structure was knocked down and then rebuilt into a little brick building that it is now. And I do have some pictures I'll share too. But her suicide note said, mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. And it's part of Thomas Hood's poem called The Bridge of Sighs, which is also about a suicide of a young woman. So when she did this, when she shot herself, her mother and her sister heard it. And many people say that Anna ran to her window after she heard the shot to look and see what exactly happened. And nowadays, that same window, a lot of people claim to see a woman staring out the window. And many believe that it is Anna Whaley going back to that one day where she ran to the window to see what her daughter did. So after Violet's suicide, the family moved and they went to the new town. Now Newtown is considered downtown San Diego, just to give you where they went. Thomas Whaley built another house. It was a single story and it was um, on State Street. The Whaley house was left empty for more than 20 years. On December 31st of 1888, Frances Whaley, who was the eldest child, married Susan E. Murray. On December 14th, 1890, Thomas Whaley passed away due to poor health, but I believe it was at the new house, so he didn't really return to the old house. Anna Amelia, the eldest daughter, died on December 12th, 1905, in a different part of California. She was a Modesto. So to bring you back to how it comes back to the original Whaley house... In 1909, Francis Whaley decided to restore the old family home. He turned it into a tourist attraction for its history. 
He also liked to entertain the visitors with his guitar. So in 1912, a couple of years later, Anna and her children, Corrine, Lillian, Francis, and George, all moved into the home. So Anna then died in the home February 24th, 1913 at 80 years old. Francis died from what I could see in the home November 19th, 1914. Then George died January 5th, 1928. So it was like not a terribly long time where all of these deaths just occurred in the house. The house then went to Corrine Lillian because it sounds like she was the last one until she died in 1953. On May 25th of 1960, it was opened as a museum. And in the 60s, the United States Commerce Department designated it as an official haunted house. So I've seen this a lot of places. I've seen a lot of people talk about the official haunted house ruling or name given to these places. I found a couple places that said the only other one in California is the Winchester House, which is in San Jose, which sure, I totally buy into that. However, when I actually went to the United States Commerce Department's website, I could not find any sort of list for this. I see it in a bunch of articles and I see a lot of articles that are reputable places talking about it. But I can't find it on the actual Commerce Department site. That's an interesting like government designation. And also the Commerce Department sounds boring. So let's get into the ghosts part of it. The Whaley family themselves, they would hear odd noises and footsteps throughout the house. And they even told a local publication, the San Diego Union, shortly after they moved in, that they would hear footsteps they thought were Yankee Jim Robinson's. Yeah, and they were very heavy footsteps. Remember, he was a really big, tall man. So that was like where their mind went. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I feel like that's like if I had a person who I thought was associated with the house, like a.k.a. Marge. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm like, she's she's here. Some people have also heard a baby crying or giggling. And of course, they think that's little Thomas, which is heartbreaking. The idea of like a little ghost baby on the second floor of the house. They've seen a young woman and they have this like overwhelming feeling of like coldness or sadness, which I'm assuming Violet. Right. Like that's what we're thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like her story just like hits my heart. And so that's not surprising because she spent a lot of time in those areas before her death. So spirits have been felt and heard all throughout the house and the property, including like on the stairs and outside of the actual house. So some people have even seen Thomas Whaley himself all dressed up in his coat and hat. And I think this one's really interesting. Other people have smelled what they think is Anna's perfume. And she had worn like a very specific French perfume. So I'm assuming they're like, this is a recognizable scent. And you know what I think of when I hear ghost scents. And it's the noxious smell of the Black Forest. I think of the Google searches we did. So many Google searches. And also like for me, I don't know why all episodes lead back to Black Forest for me. I don't know why. It always will. It always will. It always will. Oh, this next one for sure, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So some random mists have been seen throughout the house as well. And some say that they could see and smell smoke. And the smoke smelled like Thomas's cigars. Mm -hmm. And you're not allowed to smoke in there. Yeah, of course. So it's not like someone walked in there with a cigar. It's like all of a sudden you'll smell it. And I can even say that when you go upstairs, there is kind of a faint cigar-y smell sometimes. Very weird. I wonder if that's just like the house, that it has that smell. Because like, you know, when you've been in a house where someone smoked, especially if it's in a particular area, I'm not saying that like it's still smoking. It's more like a cigar smell is a very familiar and very recognizable scent. Yeah. So you add that with like a weird mist 
I would assume it's cigar smoke, but also just a completely separate note, as always. Do you find it generally just wild that you used to be able to just walk around smoking wherever the hell you wanted to? Now, when I'm walking on the street, I don't even want to sell anybody cigarettes. Like, I can't, I can't handle it. My lungs will not tolerate secondhand smoke anymore. They're not having it. And so the idea of a world where like you would walk into a restaurant and people would just be like chain smoking while they had a piece of apple pie blows my mind. Yeah. The smoking section or the non-smoking section. Yeah, What is the difference? No difference. But so the lights of the house would also turn on and off by themselves. Now, once the house became a museum, some visitors have said that they saw someone in the upstairs window after it closed. And who does that include, Amanda? Me. I have felt someone staring at me from the upstairs window when I was in back of the house. And at one point, I took a bunch of pictures and I feel like there's something weird in one that I can't explain. Oh, ooh. and we'll we'll get more to that in a second. We just want to put a little pin in it. So there has been an apparition of a woman who has been seen in the courtroom. But interestingly, her description doesn't fit any of the family members. And, you know, we've talked ghosts before. Do you think that you have to be where you died? Or you can just go haunt any place where you've got a tie to. Big feelings. Big feelings. Yeah. And you know what? It could be anyone, especially if that was a courthouse. It could have been a woman who went to court for some reason, who was with a loved one, who maybe got some bad rulings. You know, like there's so many different reasons that this person could be there. Yeah. And it's odd because I had seen a couple different accounts of someone describing a very similar woman in the house. Yeah. In addition to a woman, some mediums have also sensed the presence of a, quote, tall man in the courtroom, which, again, who they believe to be Janky Jim Robinson. And in the 1960s, a psychic named Sybil Leake said she felt the presence of a little girl in the home. And that little girl is thought to be Marion Reynolds, and she would have been Thomas and Anna's great-granddaughter. The idea of generations of ghosts in a house. And honestly, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of Murder House from American Horror Story, like where everybody's souls keeps getting trapped. Yeah. Because there's just too many people in this one place. And we'll get to one of the locations we have for today. We're talking about too many people haunting one place. Yeah. So in 1913, Marion visited the home with her parents and she accidentally ate ant poison while she was playing in the dining room, which is so sad. And she died on the way home, which is 10 days before her third birthday, which like, could you imagine being that parent, like how guilty you would feel? Also, like we're talking what turn of the century at this point, right? If it's his great granddaughter. Yeah. So sad. But so Marion seems to like women and young girls and she'll tug on their clothes or she'll grab at their hands or legs. Like a typical three-year-old would do. I guess. But like just generally, if a ghost is doing those things, I don't assume they like me. That's not where I go. I'm not like, oh, she likes me. I'm like, no, no, thank you. No touch. Aw, this little girl. No, no touch, touch. Which, speaking of no touching, have you heard about the pop star who recently says that she really does enjoy touching from ghosts? <laughs> the article you sent me, yeah. Yeah, that Kesha is saying that she's had sex with ghosts. And we've, we've joked about that before, but we've never like seen like, a legit person who's like, yeah, I sleep with ghosts casually no i just remember that one woman who was with like a pirate right was it a pirate's ghost years ago it was all over i don't recall a pirate i recall a woman on a talk show where she was like i am trying to get pregnant by a ghost and i was like i have a lot of questions i have so many questions the questions just don't stop but that's not what we're talking about but don't touch me ghosts 
So there's also the ghost of a pupper that's been seen on the property. And they're thought that it's Dolly Varden, who was the terrier of the Whaley's. And she died of natural causes. Nothing sinister there. But it's mostly kids who see her apparition, if you will, or feel her presence in the home and in the yard. But she's known to lick people, which cute. But again, that is a ghost licking you. So I'm not loving it. I've also seen some stories of people saying, oh, there's a loose dog that ran behind the house and they go to try to help the lost dog because it's in the center of San Diego. So there's cars, there's restaurants, there's a lot going on in that area. And they're like, I don't want the dog to get hit by a car. But as soon as they turn the corner, the dog's gone. Huh. I feel like that is an experience with a ghost that I would have. I would totally be like, oh, there's a dog. Let me go get it. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I have done that while driving. I jumped down the highway and stood in front of a Mack truck and was like, you're going to stop. I've had Mike pull over in the weirdest places so I can jump out to get a dog. I've done it so many times that that's how he proposed to get me to the spot he wanted to propose in because I have chased so many dogs. I love that so much. That's very sweet. He knows the way to your heart. It's dogs. It is. I unfortunately have not seen Dolly Varden when I visited, but that's like the one that I'm like, I want to see the ghost dog. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? So Regis Philbin of Regis and Kelly, which I don't know enough about him to know whether he was anyone before that. I know that he was with somebody else. I don't remember her name. I was born in 87, blah, blah. But so Regis had a paranormal experience in the house in the 60s. And he discussed his encounter on an episode of a show called The Haunting Of, which featured different celebrity encounters with the paranormal. I watched that episode because I was like, I need to know what Regis had happened to him at this house. And he talks about how him and a friend were there late one night and they pretty much saw an apparition and they believe it to be Anna Whaley in the living room. He went back again for the show with a medium. Also, they had like the Whaley House historian there. It almost validated what he saw. I guess his friend was like a big skeptic. Yeah. And from what the medium says, like Anna Whaley was like, here I am. Don't not believe that we're not here. And it was just like it was a heartwarming episode, too, because the the medium is walking around and like saying this and that about like each area of the house where I'm like, okay, yep, yep. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. Who knows? Maybe she did research. I don't know. But towards the end, she has like a personal message for Regis and you can tell like it hit him in the heart and it was overall very sweet. So if you have a chance, it's on, I want to say I watched it on Prime. Very nice episode. And then you can kind of see the inside of the house too, because they walk around it and the places that they stopped in are places that I've been and I've been like, ooh, this is weird. Or, oh, this feels very strange here. Yeah. So if you do want to see the house, tours are also available and they're starting back up again as well. It's also been featured on lots of paranormal shows like the one we just talked about. And there was even a low budget movie released in 2012. What did you think of it? Oh, it was terrible. It was awful. <laughs> I was so excited for it. And it was it was a pretty big letdown. They've also done one too, but it was a little bit higher quality of Winchester that a lot of people hated. I kind of liked it. Higher quality in quotes. Like, I love Helen Mirren. It was higher quality than the Whaley one for sure. Okay. I mean, like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So like I had told you, Lindsay, I've been there twice. And once was years and years ago, we went for like a, a family vacation. And I was like, all I want to do, I think it was around my birthday. I want to go to the Whaley house. That's all I care about. Love it. Everyone else is going to like the zoo and all this. I'm like, just the Whaley house, please. But we went on like a Wednesday where no one was there except for the employees, right? And it is a museum, so you can kind of wander around. You can have them talk about the house. You can explore on your own. There's a lot of things that you can like read. They've labeled everything. It's great. 
Well, I love to go to places where I know things have happened, but I don't like looking into it. Yes. Or watching the shows until I've already been there, kind of to validate my feelings of it when I'm there. And that's something I did with the Whaley House. I knew it was like the number one most haunted place, but I did not research it before going the first time. And the people kind of tried to say like, oh, here's what the family did. And it wasn't a ghost tour. Yeah. It was just like, here's what the family was. Here's what they looked like. Here's, you know, things like that. But I went upstairs and I remember specifically going alone. My family was on the first floor and I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs alone. And I had brought my SLR. So my big, bulky, awesome camera with me. And I set it up in Mr. and Mrs. Whaley's room. And I was just hanging out and I'm kind of, you know, looking at all the decor and how cool, you know, old furniture just has like the prettiest little details. So I'm like fixated on that. Yeah. And all of a sudden I get chills and I am like, oh, you know, like is someone coming up or what? I thought maybe one of the employees is going to go like, you've been in here a while. Like, are you dead? Yeah. No, no one's behind me. So I'm like, okay. So I put my camera, I had it on burst mode and I just clicked it a couple times. So click, 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 click. It takes a couple pictures. Don't notice anything. Take my equipment down and then I'm walking around and we leave. And when we get home, I'm uploading the pictures and I'm like, wait a minute, what is in this photo? And next to the window in Mr. and Mrs. Whaley's room is the best way I can describe it is like smoke or like a figure. I know I've showed it to you, Lindsay. I cannot explain it. I have no idea what I saw. I don't want to say, yep, that was Mrs. Whaley. But in my heart, I believe it was. I do. I want to say, yes, it's Mrs. Whaley. Yeah, I believe it is. I've showed it to some mediums before. We have a few that we know personally without any background. I'm just like, look at this photo. And one of them was like, that's a woman. That That's like the woman of the house was what they responded to me. They have no idea where I was. They know nothing about the house. I didn't tell them where I was. I just said, here's a weird photo I took. Two things. One, I love that. Two, I just realized that I'm the woman of my house. And what an interesting thing to be called. Like there was a time period where that made sense, but it's just, it's all about me. But you're the woman of your house. How do you feel about that? I feel like I should have really cool Victorian outfits. Yeah, I was like, I think like a high collar dress. High neck, yeah. Yeah, which I've, I've never wanted, right? Never, ever in my life. But it feels... Like, maybe that's who I need to be now if I'm the woman of the house. But no, that is creepy that they were like, I think creepy, but like interesting that they were like, that's the woman of the house. And you're like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Right. Right. I've posted it before. I'll, I'll post it again for this episode. It's just my favorite picture because I feel like I captured something that I didn't know was there. I just had a weird feeling, took the picture and that's what came up. Yeah. The second time that I've gone was during COVID times where, unfortunately, the tours were closed. You couldn't go inside. It just recently, from what I could see online, is opened back up for tours. But when I was there, we went at night. And I'll just say the group of people that I was with did not even want to cross the street to go onto the property. Damn. They let me go alone because they said, it feels weird. I don't like it. I feel like those windows, there's people looking at me. Or it's just a weird energy. And so, of course, me being me, I was like, okay, have fun shopping, guys. And I went on my own. So I want to say it was like 8 p.m. ish, somewhere in there. And I'm walking around and I go on like the deck and I walk around the house and I'm just kind of in the backyard. And I'm looking at that little shed outhouse brick building and I'm like, oh, this is now I, you know, I've researched it. This is where Violet died. And I, I didn't really get any weird feelings when I was around the little house. But then as I started walking back up to the actual house itself, 
I just got chills again. And I'm like, this is the same chills that I got when I was upstairs in the bedroom. So I start taking a couple pictures and I'm being kind of silly too because the people I'm with are like, what are you doing? So I sent them a picture of like me in front of the house. Yeah. Well, as I'm taking it, that's when I got like the weird chills, right? And as we're driving back to our Airbnb that night, I'm looking through the photos. And to me, I feel like someone is in one of the windows looking down. Like it's not like a full figure, but it looks like something is in the window that I cannot describe because it's not in other photos. Oh, you know, like it could be a weird shadow. It could be a weird angle. There's a million things it could be, but it's very strange. We're going to share all these photos. Yes. Yes. So these will, they'll be in the bat bonfire on Friday morning, but everyone else will kind of have to wait as they trickle out. And if you want to join the bat bonfire, check out our Patreon. We have some really neat tiers and we like to show things first on there. A seamless plug. <laughs> if you're ever in the San Diego area, check out the Whaley House and then tell me all about it. Amanda, do you know where we are going to go next? We are going to the zoo. The zoo? Which, the motherfucking zoo. I never thought of a haunted zoo. When I hear haunted zoo, what I think is the ghosts of animals that pass. Yeah. Right? Like, that's like what you would think. No, that's not where we're going. And the zoo we're going to is the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago, Illinois. So we're going to start with the hauntings first. Okay. So visitors who have come to the zoo say they have seen a woman wearing Victorian era clothing just kind of like appearing and disappearing, but just strolling about. There's also another apparition of a woman that's just seen chilling near the lion exhibit. She also just kind of peruses and walks around. Sometimes they'll see her in the women's bathroom near the lion exhibit too. So women will be standing in the bathroom, gazing upon their beautiful reflections in the mirror when they'll see just like another woman figure ghost over their shoulder. Whip around, she's gone, which that is not the vibe you want at the zoo. There's also slamming doors and flickering lights throughout the zoo. Both men and women's disembodied voices have been recorded. And when they've done things like seances or different like ghost investigation teams have gone in, they've done recordings and they've been able to get one word answers from the ghosts pretty clearly. And then just general visitors to the park have reported disembodied voices, streaks of lights, orbs and then there'll be also fog in their photos as well none of these different like phenomenons would be in what they actually saw it was just in the photos themselves weird and we'll get into a little bit maybe why about this part specifically but there's also pockets of just places that have really negative and like down feelings where people who wouldn't classify themselves as mediums can feel the heaviness and then the, these last two of the things I'm going to talk about are specific instances of people's accounts. So th they're both from different patrol officers that work in the park. And the first story is from Officer McCarty. And he was on his shift patrolling the zoo when he saw a translucent white human like figure standing at the swing set on the playground. And the swings were just going through him. And they were like going like it was windy. They were like moving, but it wasn't windy. And the figure's arms were, like, waving above their head. Weird. That would freak me out. Yeah, he was freaked out. He, so he was, like, he was shocked for a second. And then, like, when he wasn't shocked, I think in his head he was like, there's a trespasser in the zoo. So he hopped the fence to go and be like, what are you doing? And the figure floated away. So he followed them, and they eventually ended up at a place where there used to be a bridge called High Bridge. And so disappeared over the lagoon. He was freaked out. There was another officer, Officer Blall, who encountered a figure that had, quote, 
two eyes like sparks. He spoke to the figure and it just laughed at him, which I don't like that at all. That just gives me bad vibes, right? Yeah. The figure then started to move towards him. So he tried to shoot it. He was like, I'm not playing today. And the figure just continued to move towards him closer and closer and closer. He continued shooting. It did not phase this thing. And then it just dissipated. I mean, I haven't heard of a lot of times that someone tried to shoot a ghost. No, I haven't heard of gunshots as the preferred method of killing ghosts. But the general attitude of the specter seemed like maybe they were worth it. Like they were squaring up for a fight. Yeah. And Officer Blal was not having it. (laughs) Well, a little bit on the history. So the zoo is part of a larger park called Lincoln Park, which everyone's heard of, right? Not the band, but the place, which is pretty massive and it includes a lagoon. There were deaths in the park from accidental drownings, which unfortunately most were children. And oddly enough, before it was a park, it was actually a cemetery. The city of Chicago cemetery had thousands of bodies of victims who died in the cholera outbreaks in 1837. There's something about a really old cemetery, too. Yes. I don't know why, but it's always scarier when you're like, it's an 1800s cemetery versus like a cemetery that people are buried in today. I don't know why. It makes no sense. I think, honestly, I think it's the headstones because they're always so weather-worn. You can't tell what it says, right? Sometimes you're looking at it and it's completely just rounded out. Uh I don't know if you've seen any recent headstones, But I went to um, a cemetery in Annapolis to do like lay wreaths a few years ago. And there was a tombstone of a young man who like he was around my age. And there was an actual photo of him on the tombstone. Yeah, etched into it? No, no, it was like it wasn't etched in. It was like an actual photo that was like there was a glaze on it. It was a color photo. Oh, okay, Yeah, yeah. And it was like this very modern tombstone i mean like there was the engraving but it wasn't just that it was like it looked like it was from 2018 like it was a very modern tombstone and to me like that's not spooky that that just like that was just sad right but like when you're walking around a cemetery you're looking at tiny little like angel statue those just feel more heavy i think yeah that's fair over the weekend i went to a really old cemetery in austin too and showed Lindsay some of them And I was just zigzagging around because I'm like, that looks really interesting. That looks really spooky. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to find the oldest tombstone I can. And you're right. The ones that you can't read. I just felt really sad. I'm like, this person's forgotten. I don't know who's here. Yes. It sounds morbid, but it's really pretty and sad at the same time. Yeah. And we're we're not going to talk about it today, but we are going to talk about the cemetery that Amanda went to in December. So put a put a deep pin in that. <laughs> we'll bring it up again. Yeah. But back to our zoo. The location of the cemetery was too close to the city's water supply. So which would have been Lake Michigan. It makes me think of Alyssa Lamb all over again. The water supply thing. Yeah. So John H. Rauch wrote papers about the danger of bacteria from infected bodies seeping into the water supply. Also, the area where the cemetery was had become more populated since its creation. The cemetery then was closed in 1866. At this point, there was about 30,000 graves. That's so many graves. We've talked about it a great many times, but our cultural practice of burial just seems like a bad idea, right? 
I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's just not enough space. There's a lot of us. There is. Yeah. And it makes me really sad. Like I said, like when you, when the graves slowly over time, you can't read them. You have no idea. They're generations down the line. I doubt even know that that person existed. No. And it's just there until it turns into a zoo. One could only dream. I mean, yeah, I guess I'd be I'd be into that. So in 1869, the families of the folks who were buried at the cemetery were notified that they were needing to move their relatives. That's a horrible call. Also, like, how pissed would you be? Yeah. What do you want me to do with them? I'm assuming they're moved to other cemeteries, but like you do it once. Mm hmm. Yeah. And the city took responsibility for the people that did not have any living relatives. However, there was just 10 men working to relocate these bodies. 30,000 graves, 10 men. Think about that. So in 1871, Chicago Fire destroyed most of the grave markers of the remaining bodies. If there was no marker, then the body wouldn't have been moved. The property was eventually given to Chicago Parks Department. Some estimated that about a third of the bodies remained in the area. So later in the 1870s, a zoo was built on the site of the Chicago City Cemetery. Crews building the zoo found bodies as they excavated parts for the construction of the zoo. The southernmost area of the park is thought to be the most haunted. And oh my gosh, could you imagine though, like some of the people that were laid to rest and then now they're being moved or forgotten about? Yeah, I would assume that they would want to haunt that or be like pissed about it, right? Also, like what if you were once haunting a cemetery and then there's a fucking lion? But also, how fucking cool if you'd never seen a lion? Be kind of sad, though. Sorry, I, I, I went through a whole range of emotions, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Zoos are hard because you're like kind of sad for the animals. I agree. You're interested like, oh my gosh, there's a lion. But then you go back to like, oh my gosh, there's a lion in a cage. So yeah. Yeah, I would haunt them too. They deserve it. So the zoo was building a barn in the early 1960s. And as they dug into the ground, they found a skeleton. So more bodies just throughout the years, right? Yeah. Given that the body couldn't be identified, the zoo director at the time, whose name was Dr. Lester Fisher, which that sounds like a creepy name, right? Like anything Lester. It's the first name Lester. Yeah. I mean, they just... Sorry, Lesters. <laughs> so he instructed crews to bury it where they found it and put a barn on top of the grave. No regard for this poor unidentified person. Like from everything I saw, he was like, this is too much paperwork. I mean, it is. It is a lot. But it's it's also like you need to be considerate too, right? I feel like if you're going to make the decision to bury it again, you should make sure no one knows. Right? Yeah. So in a different part of Lincoln Park in 1998, a parking facility was being built for Chicago's History Museum. When they were digging, they found 81 bodies. A lot of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So also in the zoo itself, there's a cafe called Cafe Brower and this area was a park. So cemetery, park, zoo, where this particular cafe was, it was just a popular place for criminals to dump bodies in the 20s, a casual body drop off. So I talked about it a little bit before we were talking about Officer McCarty's experience that there used to be a bridge called High Bridge over the Lincoln Park Lagoon. And it was there from 1894 to 1912, which feels like a really short time to have a bridge. So less than 20 years. Yeah. The construction of it probably took a while. So for it to be up less than 20 years, not great. And the whole point of it being built was so that people could see the newly developed area. So they could take everything in. The lagoon was big and it was pretty, aside from like children drowning in it. 
And it was really tall so that sailboats could fit underneath, which is one of the reasons why they called it High Bridge. There was also a host of odd people who would frequent the bridge. Here are two of my favorite. There was one man who he would he would scare police because he came to the bridge specifically to stare at the moon and whistle creepy tunes. <laughs> Just like that was his jive. And the second was a woman who went to the bridge every day to get drunk. She had to drink at the bridge. A pretty area to drink. Sure. I, I guess. I guess. So this is where it starts to get a little bit more sinister and why it's relevant to this. Because... Most people are like, oh, a cemetery. That is the reason this place is haunted. Right. But it could also be that by 1900, High Bridge became known as Suicide Bridge because somewhere between 50 and 100 people completed suicide there. And police officers have reported seeing ghosts on the bridge and on the bridge when it was still open. Yeah. And for a 20 year span, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And I don't want to get into it, right? But like you think a bridge, you think you're jumping. No, people were coming there to just complete suicide by a host of means. They would come there to do it. Yeah. Even when it wasn't a bridge related activity. So by like the 19 teens, if you will, it was in pretty bad disrepair, which is again, like, what are you guys doing? Take care of your bridge. It was pretty rusty and it was just generally hazardous. So like going on it in general, even without any plans in your head, you could hurt yourself. So in 1919, the park district decided to tear it down. And I find this bridge like kind of fascinating in that kind of way. To me, that seems like it would be the biggest source of haunting in that area because like big feelings. And to me, like hauntings generally have big feeling places. Yeah. Woof. The sources of why this is haunted are a little bit not clear. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, I never knew any of that about Lincoln Park. Not that I've ever sat there and researched this area. But like when I think of it, I just think of people strolling through, I don't know, like a well-known, everyone's heard the name before. Yeah. Like you just think, I know this exists in Chicago and you leave it at that, but not that it's so gory and weird, right? Yeah. And like to me, it's like, it's not even like gory. It's just a dark place. Well, like a dumping ground plus a cemetery plus like people that were just forgotten about. It's just there's so many. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good find. Good find. Yeah. When I was like researching, I was like, haunted places. And it came up and I was like, a zoo. And again, I thought that we were going to get animal hauntings. Like that's where I thought we were headed. But then it was a little bit more fascinating. I am the most intrigued about good old Sparky Eyes, who was very confrontational. What was that? Lots of ghosts. Very creepy. Now I want to go to there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. I'm like animals that are being treated well, I hope. I hope. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, zoos are a very hard kind of like situation because, yes, they are in captivity and that's not great. But in some situations when they're like going extinct, can it be helpful for conservation of a species? This isn't like a Tiger King situation where he's just profiting. People are like blindly profiting off of animals, but treating them like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. We have a couple sanctuaries here that I very much respect where they take animals that people should not have in their homes. And because they're friendly towards people, they have to keep them because they'll just die in the wild. So there's some that I'm like, okay, I have positive feelings for you and I will donate to your cause. Yeah. So our next one, we we are going to touch a little bit on the mistreatment of animals in captivity, which this one's very bizarre, but we're about to sit still on the Queen Mary. 
She like that transition. That's a good transition. This is also one of the places I've been. So let's talk about the hauntings first. The ship is considered one of the most haunted places in America. And I will agree with that as well, because it is very strange. People have experienced cold spots, slamming doors, knocking, disembodied screams, flickering lights, the cries of children, and also seeing people in old style clothing that doesn't match the times. Okay, okay. There are thought to be almost 150 different ghosts on the ship. All I think of is ghost ship. Even when I was driving there, I'm like, I'm going to ghost ship. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) So on July 10th of 1966, an 18-year-old laborer named John Petter died by being crushed by a watertight door, which was also door number 13. Lindsay, we know about the number 13. (laughs) So he was in the engine room and they were doing an emergency drill And so the door was closing automatically. And from what everyone thinks, he was trying to squeeze through it to get to the other side and didn't quite make it. So some of the stories from people that are thought to have seen John, they say he'll ask people if they've seen his wrench. They'll see a figure of a man out of the corner of their eye. They'll see greasy fingerprints on their faces. And some have even asked people that work on the ship, what's that man with the white coveralls? What is he working on in the engine area? And they're like, There is no man working in the engine area. There's just guides. I've been in the engine area very late at night, and I can attest to how creepy it is. There are random spots. Remember, you're down in the ship when you're there that all of a sudden you'll just get really, really cold. And you'll look around. You're like, is there an air vent? No, there's no freaking air vent down there like that. And it's like ice cold. Yeah. Around door 13, too, I will say I knew the story going down there, so I didn't get to like be blinded. But it is a really sad spot just to think of someone getting crushed to death by this giant door that you can walk through now. Yeah. Very weird. So there's also a woman dressed in white who loves to dance in one of the luxury suites. I've also heard of one by the piano, kind of by the lobby that people say that they hear or there's some mirrors. I want to say I think it was a mirror across from it that people have looked up in the mirror and have seen someone in old style clothing by the piano. So I love it. Haunting. Children and adults dressed in clothing from the 1930s who are also wandering around. So in 1989, two women were cleaning one of the VIP lounges and they saw a chair that had been dragged into the middle of like the dance floor area and they just saw someone sitting in it. So another woman came to help clean and she noticed that same person, but they were staring at her. The third woman asked the passenger, hey, can you move? I mean, they're trying to clean, right? Yeah. Then the person fades away. And all three women who were cleaning claim to have seen the same person that then just fades away. Terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is that there was three people to be like, yeah, that's what we saw. Yeah, I saw that too. Mm -hmm. You feel a little bit better in your heart when someone else experiences it too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I've only had it once where other people have been like, yep, I completely heard what was happening. All the other times I'm normally alone. And then I'm like, of course, I feel like I'm ghost adventures. You're ghost adventures. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing you can be. Don't say that about yourself. (laughs) You're better than that. They know how we feel. I didn't try to fight anyone, but the stages of fear. Did you slam some axes down? (laughs) I did not. I did not bring my axe. Ridiculous. So in 2001, one of the members of the accounting staff was working in her office. 
which was against the ship's salon. Then she felt the temperature drop and someone brush against her. Nope. And then a transparent figure walked across the room through the door. No. So I did hear about some of the stories in that same area, too, where the accountant was working. That's just a big no. For sure. So the scariest one that even the people that work on the ship are afraid of because I talked to multiple people while there. Near the abandoned swimming pool, people have seen a little girl in a blue and white dress appearing and disappearing. A woman in a tennis skirt walking down the stairs and then just fading away. A woman in an older style wedding gown and a boy in a suit. So I asked multiple people, I'm like, when's the swimming pool going to be open? When can we tour the swimming pool? Why can't I go in there? Let me in. They wouldn't. I guess it's unsafe. It is a very strange looking swimming pool, too, because there's a lot of stairs and there's a changing room for the swimming pool that a lot of the employees are like, we don't even go in there anymore. I don't want to go in there. They see figures inside the empty swimming pool occasionally. I don't like them. They see people sitting on the side. No. I I like drilled these people. I was like, I need to know everything that's ever happened. There's no doubt in my mind that that's what you did. Like not a single doubt in my mind <laughs> that you were like, you're going to tell me everything whether you want to or not, motherfucker. Like, listen, buddy, I need to know. And I just you like grabbing them by the collar. That's how, what I envision. <laughs> like shaking them? Yeah, absolutely. You didn't shake them? I don't believe you. I didn't as polite as I could be to get these stories. But there was a a really nice guy that was working on our floor. And I was like, hey, like casually, can you just tell me a couple things? And he told me a couple stories, but he's like the swimming pool. The swimming pool is a whole different beast. From what I could find online, people were allowed in there until a certain time. Maybe it got too dangerous or, you know, something was wrong. And a lot of people have seen these women in the pool and have felt really weird things. And I will say we went to the swimming pool area both during the day, but I mean, you're on a ship, so you're not really going to see light. And at night. And at night, when you walk past that door, you feel like someone's at the door looking at you because we sat by it for a while. We found like a little sitting area. And so we kind of sat and hung out and talked. And the entire time I'm like, I have to be facing the swimming pool area because someone is looking at me. So also in the boiler room area, people have seen a little girl that is either carrying a doll or sucking her thumb. I don't like it. And I want to say this is the same little girl that people also see on the top of the deck because there is a girl that kind of just wanders the whole ship. She's a free range ghost, if you will. Okay, so we are going to get in deeply into some of the history about this boat. In the 1930s, when she began, she was originally a luxury cruise ship, kind of like the Titanic. And she had like lots of famous people who rode upon her. A good example would be Clark Gable. So after World War II started, she was painted gray and renamed Gray Ghost. And she ferried soldiers to the front lines. Side note, my brother's dog's name is Gigi. She means a great many things, including good girl. And from what I understand, Grey Ghost. (laughs) But so during this time when she was ferrying soldiers to the front lines, Grey Ghost collided with a smaller boat and tore the smaller boat in half. So yeah, it was one of their escort ships. And the Queen Mary sliced it in half and 337 men lost their lives. While I was on the tour of the boat, our tour guide, his name was Matthew, he shared with us that a lot of the men probably got stuck in the propeller's vacuum when they fell into the water. So he didn't really think like a lot of them would have made it either way. Yeah. But it hurt my heart to hear this. The Queen Mary was ordered not to stop and help any survivors because of possible U-boat attacks. 
I hate that so much. So they just had to sail through while people are like, you know, screaming and floating on things and just, sorry, guys, got things to do. Like the fact that they're like, no, I mean, I get it, but it still is awful. Yeah. So Grey Ghost was retired from her military service in 1967 and became the Queen Mary again. And she changed hands a few times over the next while. One of her owners was Jacques Cousteau. And he curated an aquarium slash museum on the ship that opened in 1971, but it closed after a few years because one, there wasn't a lot of visitors, and two, he wasn't taking proper care of the sea life that was aboard the ship, which is pretty disgusting. After that, it was owned by a man named Jack Rather, and he has some interesting connections to Disneyland. So we're going to talk about that because it's relevant in how Disney comes to own the ship. So when Disneyland opened in 1955, after the park was built, there wasn't much money left to build a hotel. So Disney leased land to Rather so that he could build a hotel. And because Disney was short on money, he gave the licensing and naming rights to Rather for like insanely cheap. So, of course, Disney, once they were doing better, wanted to renegotiate the terms for more favorable prices for themselves. Right. Right. And he was like, no, why would I do that? And so when Rather died, the CEO of Disney at the time, Michael Eisner, was able to buy the hotel. But part of the deal was that he also had to, I've seen buy, I've also seen lease. So I'm not sure which one it was. Both the Queen Mary and the land surrounding it. They had a big project that they were planning for the Queen Mary. And it was announced in 1990. And Disney announced that they were going to build a theme park called Port Disney. And basically, it centered around the Queen Mary and the land surrounding it. And so it would be both celebrating ocean life, but also be kind of like celebrating the ship's history. So they were planned to have celebrity impersonators that would impersonate famous celebrities that had traveled aboard the ship. And then they would show people around the ship and they would have themed parties. They also planned to have a tour called Haunted Passages, where they would take you to where people actually died on the ship. From what I saw, there was 49 recorded deaths on the ship itself. So there was no shortage of places to take people. So there was a room called B340. And from what I understand, it was an unused room. There was no stories of hauntings. There was no deaths. There was nothing involved with the room. It was just a room in the ship. So what Disney did was they tricked it out in spooky tech to make it seem super haunted. So think like old spiritualism. And this would only happen when somebody was in the room. So it was like motion sensor activated. So floorboards that would creak, faucets that turned on and off by themselves, mirrors that would have like an image pop up behind you, disembodied voices and sounds. And then I don't know whether it was there at the time, but from what I see now, there's a Bloody Mary incantation on the wall. So the project did not work. And it was for a host of reasons. I also want to think that the city around that area was not pleased with this endeavor. But in 1992, the project was abandoned. And interestingly, Disney didn't abandon the concept, though. So they opened Port Disney in Tokyo. And it opened in 2001. And it even has a replica of the Queen Mary. So ship is closed down. And the haunted room, B340, is closed up. And it's not used for years. Eventually, Queen Mary opens back up as just like a normal hotel and they lean into the spookiness, right? Because it's it's haunted. There's no getting around it. What's interesting is that people begin to notice a lot of spooky things happening around B340. And it's not the rigged walls creaking and it's not the faucets turning on and off by themselves. It's like genuine. This is a haunted space. They're talking cold spots, orbs, the whole thing, right? So paranormal researchers Greg and Dana Newcork 
They came and investigated the room with part of the rest of their team. And this is what they said about the room. I'm going to read it verbatim because I think this is a very interesting idea that I had never considered, but I don't like it. Yeah. Not to say that it couldn't be real, but I just don't like that this could be a thing. But so per the new corks, they said, even though the haunted attraction at the Queen Mary is long gone, the memories remain. Over time, these memories can turn into legends, stripping away the fictional origins, one retelling at a time. And eventually, legends can turn into actual hauntings. I've seen cases where people have put so much intention and energy into thinking a place is haunted that it eventually becomes haunted by an egregore, which is a thought form created by decades of emotions pumped into a specific place or thing. Whether it's a lingering memory of the collective conscious or the manifestations of a literal ghost, so many people have whispered rumors about the Queen Mary's haunted room that even though the room was stripped of all of that imagineering effects long ago, some of the old scars are still occurring to people. And the creature version of this is a tulpa. We've talked about that before. I think Slenderman is a good example of a tulpa. But they're renting their room out at a special price, a mere $499 starting in April of 2018. And they're doing that because it's fucking haunted now and wild. It's insane. And then also just when they rent out the room, funny thing is they don't label it because people keep taking the label and stealing it. Yeah. So we went on a search for this room, too. And I will say, like, it's kind of like in this I don't know, corner and it is a little unsettling. But I, again, you're on a boat. So you're like, there's a lot of twists and turns and small passageways and things like that. Yeah. But it is it is spooky. I read one account of a person who had stayed the night and he was a skeptic going into it and was a believer in the morning. But like he didn't really talk about like why. But one of the things they said was that they kept hearing disembodied voices. But what it would be is it would be people in the hall trying to find the room. They would hear <laughs> like they kept hearing people. I wonder how much of what people are experiencing is that kind of thing where they're feeling somebody staring in their direction because someone's staring at the room. Where there's like people outside the room and they can kind of sense that or they hear footsteps because it's an echo of people in the hallway and like people are creeping about. So they run away really quickly. So the time you go out there, they're gone. Like, I wonder how much of it is just a collective people kind of being like, "Ooh, is it spooky? But I find that fascinating. Yeah. And when we were researching, one of the things that I kept noticing is I kept seeing this room number and I was like, weird, weird, weird. And I never found any deaths in the room. And most articles don't talk about the Disney past. They just talk about that it's a spooky room and they rent it for more money because it's a spooky room. And there's a past to this room of it not being real, but so many people believe it. I don't know. I just find like that's extra fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's just docked now in Long Beach. So you can go, you can stay in a normal room. I went, funny enough, for a bachelorette party, but like it was more of a creepy girls trip for a wedding. What was some awesome people. And what I was saying, like we were quizzing like the people that worked there. <laughs> so one of the guys, we had an issue with our room and they sent someone and he wanted to go by the name Lobo. And I was like, OK, tell me about things on the ship. And he shared a story of his experience being near the pool area and hearing laughing and then all of a sudden crying. And he's like, I can't. I don't know. No one was there, just me. And then in addition, he talked about a security guard. And he said the security guard saw a little girl at the end of the B deck. And it was in the middle of the night. So he's like, oh, no, like a little girl's lost. So he starts approaching her. 
And as he got close to her, he looked down to grab his radio, like to radio, hey, like, is there a little girl missing? And he looks up and she's gone. Oh, I don't like that. And when we were talking about the little girl that people have seen, the people on the ship have lovingly named her Jackie. And they see her a lot in the pool area. And then, like I said, on the top deck as well. And almost everyone I talked to that worked there knows of Jackie and had some sort of Jackie story. Interesting. Which, like, it's, it's sweet. It's also really unsettling and kind of terrifying. Yeah. So there's another one, and I've tried now for years to find some information about this person. No idea. He doesn't exist on anything I can find, but I believe him to be real. So while in like the captain's area, I have no idea what it's called. We had brought a spirit box up to it when we were exploring alone, and we asked if anyone was there. And my spirit box replied very clearly with Bruce. 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 I don't know who Bruce is, but he is there. So... I couldn't find anything relating to him in all these years. But remember, it was wartime and not necessarily everyone was documented in any records when they were on the ship, like as they were being transported. So perhaps Bruce existed somewhere. So then we're on the top deck at night and the spirit box then says very clearly again, look at the pretty lights. And we're like, yeah, like it is really pretty up here. And then it all of a sudden says happy. Just one word, happy. It was so sweet. And there's like a boardwalk area that you can see from the ship. I don't know if it's there year round or if it was just there when we were there, but there was lights and music happening. So we thought maybe he was talking about the lights from that and how pretty it looked. Yeah. But I did have some pictures of the pretty lights on top and it is very pretty. So if anyone has ever heard of Bruce, he he was very polite and, and sweet to us. So our tour guide, when we were on the ship, said that Jackie had been heard on some of the EVPs in the captain's quarters. He was like, let's play a game with our spirit boxes and see if we can get any responses because he had a spirit box and then I also had one. So we we're kind of like, which one works really well, you know? Yeah. And he connected the spirit boxes to a speaker one at a time. And the speaker changed colors. When the color would change, he then asked the spirit to name the color. And again, like it's so weird, but as it's cycling through its channels, we heard green and we also heard blue. And it was very clear and it was at the appropriate time, like right when the light would change. And so, of course, there's no scientific proof, but it's just a very, very big coincidence if it wasn't, in fact, someone talking through this box. Yeah. And I will say when we were there, it had to have been like three in the morning, maybe later, because our tour ended at 415 in the morning. I love that so much, though. Yeah, it was supposed to be a three hour ghost tour. And because I think it was all of us asking and like actually really fascinated with all of this, especially our group, it thinned out like it started as a big group. It thinned out pretty far into the night. But it ended up taking like five hours because we were like, tell us everything. Heck yeah. But really, really fun. I definitely recommend visiting the Queen Mary, doing some tours, because that I believe is the only way you can go below into like the boiler room. Yeah. And, you know, see the propeller. There's a safe room. It's very creepy down there, too. So many weird things happen there. But highly, highly recommend. I would say, though, we went on like a weekend. I would definitely recommend a weekday. So less people. That makes sense. That makes sense. So we hope you've enjoyed these spooky offerings for you this spooky season. If you have a really cool haunted place that you want us to check out or me to visit eventually because I'm obsessed, send it our way. We'd be happy to research it and talk about some of these ghosties. 
Also, if you've been to some place that was haunted and super cool, that would be an amazing spooky story that we would love for you to share with us. And if you've got spooky ghost pictures, tag us in them. I don't care if they're like a three-year-old Instagram post. Tag us on them. We'll like it. We'll be embarrassed about liking a photo from three years ago, but we'll enjoy it. And we'll share it in our stories if you send us some good ones. Yeah. And I'll make sure any of the ghost pictures that I talked about, or at least for the places I've visited, I have some personal pictures I've taken. I'll share those so you can check out the weird stuff that I've encountered. Yeah. And with that, have a good weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. 